The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Qatar Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state, influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com. You're listening to Taking Stock with Pim Fox and Kathleen Hayes on Bloomberg Radio. Oil and oil prices. Taking a look at what is in store for the future of crude oil. It is up more than 1% today, $44 a barrel. Michael Purvis is the chief global strategist for Whedon & Company, and he joins us now. Michael, thanks very much for being with us. Tell us your thoughts on what is driving the price of oil right now. Well, it's not the dollar. You know, the dollar and crude have been, you know, tied to the hip in so many ways for so long, but the dollar has not really been moving. It has a lot to do with, and, it, you know, it's certainly not inventories either. We had actually a pretty bullish um, uh, inventory report the other day. Um, the overarching issues are, are we going to be getting, you know, incrementally more supply out of Libya and Nigeria, and and also the demand picture, whether the demand picture is really not going to be as robust. Um, you know, uh, Various uh, oil analysts uh, have have looked at uh, whether the you know the whole the larger you know move above the sort of forty to fifty five trading range is going to really get deferred further back, and I think that's also you know helped uh, push down some bullish sentiment here. Okay, Michael. Well, your uh, role as chief global strategist, of course, you're trying to plot a lot of um, equity strategies in there, and I assume that's why you're so focused on oil right now. So. Take your view of oil and translate it to what it means for the U.S. equity market. Well, if, if oil is trading in the sort of 45 to 50 range, it means a lot less. But when oil starts getting stressed, um, in other words, down to 40 and even below, as it did in late July, that's when you're going to start seeing um, you know, the correlation of equities and crude oil uh, to the downside, in particular, pick up there. So if, you know, right now, it's oil's... Um, you know, being tossed around a little bit, uh, generally over the last few days more down than up. But if it does push towards 40, then that's going to be yet another further headwind on uh, <laughs> on, on U.S. equities. Michael, or broader U.S. equities, not just the energy equities. Okay, not just energy equities, I beg your pardon. Okay, so, so uh, Michael, I'm wondering if you could speak a little bit, uh, maybe bring into the picture the market volatility that we had on, on Friday and uh, maybe just link that to what you believe is going on in the bond market. Right, exactly. So, you know, uh, Tim, over the last couple of years, it's, it really the dollar has been the sort of the key pivot asset for uh, defining, you know, risk-off moves. If the dollar got too strong, that was really much more at work. And frankly, longer-term interest rates were kind of, you know, people were almost uh, just sort of complacent about that being, you know, everyone sort of thought they'd just be lower a heck of a lot longer, even if we got some rate hikes. You know, the Fed moves to the short-term rates, but not necessarily the longer-term rates. But what was really... I think underscoring last Friday was nothing to do with a September or even a December hike, which rather sort of the structural issues involved in the global bond market. And what was, I thought, very interesting to see is that if you looked at the 10-year 
a um, futures contract for the uh, the Japanese ten-year bond that started breaking its strengthening trend back in uh, even early July in the aftermath of Brexit, um, and then you saw that follow through with the bond market in August, and then again, and, and that ultimately flowed through to our ten-year um, uh, in in early September. And I think so. You know, when you look at uh, uh, the Treasury yield, the ten-year yield climbing, you know, uh, forty basis points uh, since Brexit. A pretty major move that owes a lot to what's been happening overseas in Japan and, and Germany. Well, yeah, and in fact, um, the, the the bond uh, strategists and traders are saying it has everything to do right now with the Bank of Japan uh, being rumored to be ready to cut its key rate more negative and uh, not buy as many long-term bonds. They want to flatten their yield curve. They don't. They don't want it. Uh, excuse me. I want to steepen their yield curve. Right. But. Uh, it seems that to a certain degree, then, the Bank of Japan is kind of taking the baton away from the Fed. But does that mean, to extend this to stocks again, that equity traders are going to start watching the Bank of Japan? I mean, seriously, does it really make that much difference to U.S. stocks what the Bank of Japan does? Well, yeah, it does. I mean, it is indirect. I mean, the transmission mechanism for this, if the Japanese 10-year puts uh, upward pressure on yields in that market and also the bond and treasury market, all these three markets tend to move together. The spreads between the bonds often don't change that much. But if the you have to keep at, you know keep in mind that the equity push to fresh highs we got this summer was really largely helped driven by the uh, by the record lows in the ten year treasury yields. We have we would not have those record lows in the ten year treasury yields without this extreme movements in in, in Japanese and, and also German. And bonds. So if that whole uh, cork is going to pop to the upside there, and I'm not saying it is, but that is really the risk, that if we start seeing that that whole uh, yield environment in Japan really start moving higher, there's no question that's going to flow right into equities. And those these are the it's, it's a different set of questions that need to be asked and answered with respect to the 10-year moving higher than it is with the dollar moving higher. Well, if that's the case, Michael Purvis, uh, are we going to experience continued moves higher in volatility? And if so, how can investors profit? Well, I think, you know, right now, um, you know, after last Friday's sort of jarring wake-up call to the end of summer uh, with the volatility really expanding, I think, look, the, you know, when you look at the VIX surface um, you, uh, across the VIX curve and you look at where the VIX is likely to be, it's probably going into a higher place because it's not just about the 10-year yields. It's, of course, about elections in the in the United States in November, it's also, and it's also about, about the fate of our, you know, economic progress and, of course, uh, uh, interest rates hikes, right? So you put that all together, it's hard to imagine the VIX is going to be in that sort of 12 to 14 range uh, for too long in the, in the coming weeks there. Um, and, and I think what, what the, the question about the, uh, the Bank of Japan and the 10-year yields the domestically and globally really raises is, is geez, you know, can, this, can we really get a 2013 taper tantrum again? Okay. Michael Purvis, thank you so very much. Chief Global Strategist connecting the dots around the globe for oil, for stocks, for bonds, and the dollar. Chief Global Strategist at Wheaton. I'm Kathleen Hayes along with Kim Fox. This is Bloomberg. The countdown has begun. From May 14th to 16th, a thousand global leaders will gather in Doha for the Carter Economic Forum powered by Bloomberg. Join heads of state 
influential ministers and leading CEOs to make new connections, gain unique insights and uncover valuable opportunities in one of the world's most rapidly rising regions. Request your invite for this exclusive event at QatarEconomicForum.com.